Yes. Everybody good? You can't keep me awake. I know you just know you got no business being here. I know it, but it's okay. I can make it down to my oak tree and back, but I have to stop when I get down there. So my energy, my energy is not where it used to be, but it'll be back. We're in the book of James. I couldn't leave it alone. I got to come back to it. We got to finish this book. We'll finish it Sunday. Now, now, you're listening to me now. Too much talking in the camp. You say, well, pastor, get out of here. Boy, we're getting a bigger crowd all the time. That's awesome. Charlie's even here. You're not volleyballing tonight? You're done. No. Are you going to be Thursday night? You know who needs to win, don't you? Am I bribing? I'm bribing the official. God's good, folks. James. We will be in, when I get there, we will be in chapter 4. Man, this book. The book of James is like Proverbs squeezed into five chapters. And James is Jesus' brother, and he was an apostle of the church of Jerusalem. And James really hits pretty hard if you if you if you don't if you look at it like he's getting down on you then you're not going to really like it but if you look at it through the eyes of grace he's trying to help you trying to to keep you from going into things that you don't need to go into and more so in this chapter than the others but but you know it starts off starts off really I like the way it starts off because he he's telling us right off the bat count it all joy Whatever you're going through, whatever's taking place in your life, it's for a reason. And if you trust me, it will be turned around for you. Because he promises that throughout the Bible, he's going to take care of us. So he starts off right away saying, count it all joy. And then in the midst of all of that, he, he, he tells us, be wise and ask for help when you go through these times. And I'll give them to you. I have found that when I went to the Lord for an answer... It's never right then that he talks to me. It's usually when my mind's off of what I'm asking and he drops it in my spirit, which is down in here, uh, when I'm doing, when I'm walking down my oak tree and back. And he talks to me a lot on that trip and down. Uh, always has. Uh, it's, it's not when I'm thinking, thinking about the problem. It's when I'm praising and giving him, giving him honor for where it's due. But when you walk through, when you walk through, the, through it, uh, he gives us all the wisdom we need. And then in that first chapter, he also said, now remember, temptations are not for me. He basically, and he does say, no temptation is from the Father. So what's a temptation? Well, a temptation is something that you're going to be doing or tempted to do that's going to damage you or hurt you down the road. You all recognize that he gives us a free will. You can pick... You can make the choice in that temptation, but you cannot pick the consequences. I mean, he gives you a free will and gives you a choice, and you can pick whichever one you want. But the consequence of the good side or the bad side, you don't really get the decision on that. That's his doings. And that's a lot of time in the temptation that you fell for, 
you fall into sin because it tells us that. But many times grace covers and helps you through because you're so ignorant on what you chose to do. But, it, but it's always God. It's always God. And chapter 2 then talks basically about his love for you and really living in obedience, trusting in the faith that he's going to give you and, and trusting in what he's given you and walking with him. And in chapter 3, I, I love that one because that talks about your tongue, how your tongue does so much damage and does great things. And he, he even in there in that chapter says, you know, don't, don't hurry up to teach people. Don't hurry up to be a pastor. Don't hurry up to, to speak because you will be judged more. Well, what's he mean by that? Well, you got more people that's going to criticize you. I mean, I, we got a whole lot of empty seats. People are mad at me right now. They didn't learn a whole lot, did they? Because you can go in the book of, book of uh, Song of Solomon and it says that come to church, come back to church. Because that's where you're going to get tested. That's where you're going to get tried. That's where things are going to hit you to see how mature you are. And we have a lot of people that just get mad at you and mad at me. And they just yeah. run off and don't talk to you again. And it's like, grow up. Yeah. We're all a mess. Are you all saints out there? You're not responding back to me. <laughs> We're all a mess. I mean, we really are. We, we've got to learn to just forgive and move on with God and trust him. And, and chapter 3 just tells you, man, your tongue is wicked. Just be careful what you say. You know, it's just like me giving Charlie a hard time about officiating. Well, he could take that wrong, and then I'd be a mess. But that's where we've got mature people that go, ah, it's, it's all right. He's just funning with me anyway. I mean, understand where I'm at with this. We've got, we got to recognize how much power is in all of that. And we've got to learn. You know, and I, I threw out the scripture at the end, end of chapter 3. This scripture, I think, in the Bible is the one that if we could get a hold of this. Ephesians 4.29, I'm going to read it. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. The most important thing you can learn is to watch what you say. In the midst of your, in the midst of your situations at home, in the midst of your situations at work, at situations at school, all the things we go through... You've got to recognize everything you say will be checked and balanced and you will be, people will hear it and they'll never, never forget. Especially the things that you say that's going to hurt them. Those hurt forever. There's nothing worse. I'd rather have somebody punch me in the mouth than continually talk about me. Because those words are hard. They're just, you hear them. And they go in you. And that's why James is getting on the church. He's going, listen, 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 listen. Don't go there. It's so easy. But now, when we get to chapter 4, I title this, Hostility or Humility? Because when you get to chapter 4, it's only got 17 verses. But man, are they, we're just going to read through these. Now, don't get mad at me. I'm reading the Bible. Okay? Listen to what it says. It says, just was talking about our tongue. Just was talking about watching what you say. Just was talking about, uh, in that same chapter, James was talking about, you know, put your faith to work. Don't just talk like you've got faith. Put it to work by what you say. Put it to work by how you live. Put it to work on those areas of the fruit of the Spirit. Put it to work. And then he comes in chapter 4 and he says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? 
Do they not come from your, your desires for your pleasures that war in your members? And it goes on in verse 2. It says, you lust and do not have. You murder and covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. You say, well, wow, them are tough scriptures. Well, they are, but they're not. Let's think about it. If I, I'm getting off track here just a minute, but bear with me. If I would come to you and say, who are you? I, I could say to Jay, who are you? And he would say, well, I'm retired. I could, I could say, who are you? And I'd say, well, I'm a, I'm a, a teacher. I, I work at TG. That, uh, the, uh, you know, I, I do landscaping back when, when my health was strong. This, I did landscaping. That's not who you are. You're a child of God. And that should be your... See, that's got to be number one in everything in your life. Why? I just read it. Because, see, if it's not number one, and I'm talking... Sports can't be number one. I mean, nothing. My car that I enjoy, I was, I was telling Donna about it. We was talking back here. Probably the best car I've ever owned. I, I love my car because I enjoy the acceleration. I enjoy how it drives. I just like my little car. But that's not first in my life. I used to always tell Connie, Honey, I love you with all my heart, but you are not and never will be number one. Well, Why? Let me read why. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? See, if anything is above God, this, and James was seeing this in the church. He was seeing that they had, you know, now we, we battle sports on every occasion. Now sports is more important than Wednesday nights. Now, sports is more important now, even almost on Sundays. Sports is, we, you know, we're going on road trips with our kids because it's so important because they're going to be professionals. Give me a clue. You say, well, but we enjoy it. No, and, and I do understand that. And sometimes that can be adjusted, and sometimes it can't because it becomes number one. Is making money number one? Is your job number one? Are you, are you a workaholic and you're not happy and content unless you are working and doing all the time, all the time, all the time? See, those become number one when your wars and your fights are starting because you're trying to get something different than what God's planning on in your life, and he's going to get it. Don't, don't get mad at me. You're all looking at me like, come on now. But it's the truth when we think about it. When, when somebody used to say to me, what do you do? Well, I was a coal miner. I wasn't a coal miner. I was a Christian. I mean, I'm really, I'm a child of God. And everything else is just what I do. It's not who I am. Who I am has got to be settled in me. Now, I don't have to be super religious and somebody says, well, what do you, who are you? Well, I'm a Christian. Oh, give me a break. Now, you're also full of pride, and he talks about that in here too. That's the main thing with this, this particular chapter is our pride because, see, I can fix every marriage in here. I can stop you from fighting, ever have another feud again. You give your opinion. You give your opinion. Shut up. 
The only reason we fight is just what he said. You war because you want your way. You war because you're full of pride. You war because you think you're right. What if you are right? Why do, why do you want to battle and fuss and feud and, and have a miserable, miserable life? Well, you don't believe what they do, they always do. Well, let God have it. Let God take care of it. See, that really, that first verse will fix a whole lot of stuff. If you recognize everybody has their opinion, my wife had her opinion, I had my opinion. Until we come to this place, we war it all the time. But once we recognize, wait a minute, I'm just trying to change you. Yeah, and I'm just trying to change you. Let's quit doing that. Let's just laugh at each other's stupidity. Let's just enjoy and have fun like we used to when we was dating. Let's get back to the love we had then where we put up with this stuff and we didn't, we didn't try to change each other. That's all this first verse and second verse and third verse is saying is quit, quit, quit. The only thing you're fighting over is your own pride. Quit, quit, quit. Stop, stop being what you're not supposed to be. It, it, it's almost like most of you don't remember Albert Willis been years since Albert was here. He's passed away now. But I'll never forget, I was sitting right there, and I'll never forget, he used to take that finger, and, he, and we, we do this. It's your fault. You're not doing it right. You don't love me anymore. You've changed so much. Well, he used to grab it, and he used to bring it around like this. See, right here's the problem. It really is. I don't care how much of a mess your partner is. If you just love, forgive, love, forgive, love, forgive, and quit worrying about what you, you, quit worrying about this guy, and just love and forgive, and love and forgive, and love and forgive, God will fix the problem. Why do I know that? I've seen it in my life, and I read it in the Word, and that's what this whole chapter is about. Uh, it's either, it's either you're going to live in hostility or you're going to have to live in humility and recognize that sometimes you might be wrong and sometimes even if you're right, the way you're doing it is wrong. The way you're trying to get your way is wrong. Y'all, y'all don't throw nothing at me, but it, it, it is the truth. Come on now. Let's go on. I, I, I can tell I need to go on to verse 4. Oh, man, it's getting harder. Well, I need to back up here. When he's talking about murder and stuff in that, uh, let's, let's, let's go in the New Testament real quick. And what's it say about your thoughts? Even if you don't murder, you've already murdered by thinking it. And that's all he's saying here in this. But verse 4 then, adulterous and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy to God. Or do you not think the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in you yearns for, with jealousy? Well, what's that saying? Just what it's saying. You are the bride of Christ. He is the other side. And if you've got any other love besides him first, then you're an adulterer. You say, well, them are awful hard words. I know it is, but, but think about it. He is just trying to tell us, put me first and watch your life Go and grow. Watch your life be the best it can be through me. 
recognize that when you live outside of the covenant, you're going to have troubles. You're going to have problems. You're going to get caught. Your choice that you're making, choosing other things over me. You know, a lot of people choose a lot of stuff over God. And we have empty seats in here right now. And that's just because a lot of people don't understand this is what they need to be doing as much as they can, as much as the doors are open, we need to be in here learning and encouraging each other and putting up with each other. There's as much growth in putting up with each other as there is in the pastor standing up or talking. If we can come in and forgive each other, every time we come in the door, you're growing. And they're growing because they're putting up with you. It's so quiet in here. <laughs> it really is quiet. He wants to have you first. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing how God's going to get first. And he doesn't tempt us, but he watches us go through things in life. And if we just go to him first then, and make him first, then he fixes things to be first in our heart. And we live with so much more peace. You know, uh, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Well, I've got to flow in the spirit to have the joy to live in righteousness. Then I'm living in the kingdom of God. Well, that's what James is trying to show us is, listen, follow my lead in this and watch what I do in your life and, and make me first. Let me be the pleasure in your life. Verse 7. Verse 7 says, Therefore submit, submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your, your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. All he's saying there is recognize that it's not you that needs to operate. It's God flowing through you that needs to operate. He will take care of you and you will grow in this and he will take care of this. And he's not telling you to be sad all the time there. He's, he's just telling you to recognize it's not you that's doing this. It's not you. And you know, if you submit to God, and in the midst of submitting to God, you are resisting the enemy. Now, you may have him attack you, but if you've submitted to God, he knows this is coming and he's going to help you get through it. Did you follow that? If you submit to God and you say, God, you've got my life, you get up in the morning and say, Lord, here I am. I don't know what's going to take place today. I don't understand what's going to take place today, but I trust in you and I'm submitting to you and I know the enemy's going to attack, but I know whatever attack I get, I'm going to count it all joy because we go back to the first chapter. And, and See, James is really saying to you, listen, you're a Christian, be one. Don't be one just at church. Be one 24-7. Be one. And when you, have a, when you have a temptation of punching somebody in the mouth, don't even put that out of your, out of your mouth. Just don't go there, and the more you submit to God, the more these temptations will go away because you, you'll see them coming, and you'll go, no, I'm not even thinking on that. And if you don't think on that, then you won't speak that, and if you don't speak that, it won't take place in your life because the Bible says whatever you speak, you'll get. Whatever you ponder in your heart, you'll be. So the best thing to do is submit to him, recognize that you've got, to, you've got to stay away from the things of the world. Now, does that mean you can't do the things in the world? No. I mean, I, I've had people, I had a person leave the church because I owned a Carvette. Literally, the family left the church because I owned a Carvette. 
They was driving a $60,000 truck and I had a $5,000 Carvette. I guess just because it was a Carvette. No pastor should own a Carvette. Well, I still own it. It's downstairs apart, but I own it. But, like, grow up. What's the deal? Read James 47,000 times, will you please? And recognize that what you're saying, your, your thoughts are wrong about everything. I had a deacon. <laughs> I'm telling them. You won't know who it is because it's way back. I had a deacon come to me and said, Pastor, you shouldn't own three cars. And I said, really? You should wait until you sell one because it doesn't look good to have all them cars. You know what I said to him? <clears throat> it's none of your business. But see how people are? Well, see, we've got to grow up in a place of going, and I forgive that person, and that person's still a friend, but that person's not a deacon anymore because that person left the church. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm a little black and white with the scripture. But that's me. So let me be me, and I'll let you be you, and then we'll grow up together because the Bible says, Make him first, and he'll take care of all this. And he does, and he will, and he always has. Verse 11, it says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if the, if the, if the judge of the law, you are not, to, not a doer of the law, but a judge. Therefore, the one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy, who are you to judge another? Okay, what's he saying there? Don't judge what people are and what they're doing is what he says. But it also says in those scriptures, when you read it close, it says, if you judge, you then put yourself under the law. And if you judge, you put yourself under the law, which you can't live under the law because you can't do all of the law and you're being judged by your own self. Pretty hard stuff James is throwing out here. How dare you judge? You're putting, you're, you're putting yourself, you're putting them under the law by saying they're not doing it right and talking about them, and, but you're putting yourself under the law and there's no way you can do it. That's why... He gave us Jesus. That's why he gave us grace. Because everybody in here cannot live under the law. You cannot do it. That's why he did it. So if someone judges you for something, you know what we've got to do? We've got to instantly not fall where they're at and be like they are. We've got to instantly just go, Lord, I just choose to forgive. And just shut your mouth. Don't go to other people and talk about what they just said about you. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. My favorite line, let it go. Let it go. Why? Because it's going to bring nothing but complication and heartache in your life every, every time it comes. We can't get caught judging others. It pulls us back under that law and it tears us apart. Verse 13 and 14, it says, Come now, come now, you who say today or tomorrow. I love how he throws this in here. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such city and spend the year there and buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas we do not know 
what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears in a little time and then vanishes away. All he's saying there is, listen, I'm talking to you about yourself. I'm talking to you in this whole chapter about your, your pride in thinking that you can do everything. How dare you make plans without me being in your plans? You don't even know what... To, Connie was gone in 12 hours from the time she got infected. It was over in 12 hours. If we'd have planned 24, it wouldn't have happened, folks. Now, we make plans, and you make schedules, and you, that's being organized. There's nothing wrong with that. But how dare us come to the place of saying, we will do this, and we will do that, because that's what we, who's talking? We. And Every time I come to that place, it's, it's kind of like, like you saying, I will never do that. Promise you, you will. Why? You're putting, your, you're judging the person you're talking about. I'd never raise my kids that way. Oh, really? So you're judging, putting yourself under the law, you'll fail. Also, there's scripture that says, whatever you judge, you will become. The scripture is so perfect, it's so alive, and it's, it's so true. If we just would grasp this and go, wow, I need to read the book of James often, over and over and over and over and over and over. Verse 15, it says, instead you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we shall live and do this and do that. But now you boast in your arrogance all such boasting is evil. I, I, that's an interesting scripture there because, you know, the Bible tells us that without faith, you don't please God. Well, how could I choose what I'm going to do and what I'm going to say without talking to God about it? Without, at least, you know, you're planning something. At least in your planning, you know, if, you know, if it's the Lord's, Favor and if it's the Lord's will, we'll get this done and we'll get it accomplished. But to come out in, a, in an area of your life and say, no, I will do this and I will do that and, and I'll never do this and I'll never do that. Matthew and I were talking before church. You know, I was called to be a pastor when I was 12 years old and I knew it. But do you know I could be any place on this earth being a pastor. We used to, Connie and I used to go on 44 out towards Fort Leonard Wood and that way. And there's a little Methodist, little Baptist church that said little bitty, little bitty, 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 little white Baptist church. And you could tell there's no parking lot. There couldn't be a handful of people there. And, and I don't know the situation there. But I, I would always think when I'd go by, you know, it's only the grace of God that I'm in Chester with a congregation that's growing and moving and, and this little church that you can tell nothing is really much going on there. And we could be just right here, but you know, God, if that's where God would have called me, I would have been content right there and everything that's going on. You all follow what I'm saying there. If we'd like to be and we'd like to plan, but we've got to be so careful and recognize maybe God's not in that, what we'd like to do. Maybe God's not in this fancy home we think we'd like to build. I'm living in a home with three bedrooms and there's only one bedroom being used and lots of times the chair I lean back in is the bed I'm in. So how much space do you really need? We really need. And we're all, you know, you look at some of the homes now. It's like, who would want to keep it clean? 
Well, I've got a three, I've got a three bathroom home. Who cleans them? You know, that's all cool if you've got a full house and you put everybody to work. But just for somebody, or, or I've always wondered about this. This is my dining room, but we eat here. Well, what's that for? And everybody's got their own taste and they got their own thing and they enjoy it. But we got to be so careful. You know, it's like, it's like $200 a square foot now to build a home. I'd like to have a big closet. 200, 200. And you can put your pants right there. I mean, when you think about it like that, you think, but now if you enjoy that and God's opened it up for the finances are there, I'm not criticizing anybody in any way. I'm just saying in this whole chapter, he's talking about humble yourself and be content. I'll never forget when my sister Diane, I'm running out of time. My sister Diane, uh, they, it was on like five or six or seven mission trips. And some of the training, they would literally move out of their big home. They would, they would give everything away and they would move into a little one-room shack. And that's where Diane and Chuck and Eric and Aaron would live for like a month before they went on the mission field. Just for they would recognize we don't really need all of this that we've got. But then they would come back from mission trip and then there they would go and they'd move and there they would build and there they would have again and God blessed them and they were okay. And that's okay. But you, we've got to come back to our roots. Our roots of knowing back to the beginning of the chapter. He has got to be number one in your life. And when, you, when he's number one, listen, young people that are in here, make him first place in everything you do and watch how your life will prosper and grow. And these things that you enjoy doing, you can enjoy them as long as they stay number two or three or four or five and he stays number one. And that's all James is saying in this whole chapter. Make him, you're, you're so prideful, you argue and you fuss and you fight just to get your way. And all you got to do is ask me, but you got to ask me the right attitude. You can't ask me and expect to get it if it's going to mess you up. I'm not giving you some, everybody, everybody, oh, if I win a lottery, you can't even take care of the $20 in your back pocket. What do you mean if you win the lottery? And he knows that. He's not going to give you a lottery ticket if you can't handle the millions that's there. You say, well, I can handle it, Lord. Can we? You guys are really serious tonight. I'm going to have to move you all together and make you grin at me. But, it, I mean, it's the truth. We've got to recognize he's got to be number Why? Because he is number one in our life. And, and we choose to make him number one. And we don't, we don't have to choose it. It's just, it's just a way of life. It's just, this is what I do. This is the, what, the way I live. This, I, I got tickled. I come, I come back to work this afternoon at five, about 5.30, and I walked in the office, and John and uh, Neil was already here. And I said, well... We're home again, huh? And they say, yeah, we live here. And I said, yeah, I know, I know, I know that when I've been doing it for 31 years. Because this is my life. And see, that's the part that, that, that pastors sometimes have to pay attention. This is your life. But to a lot of people, this is not their life. So you love them where they are and you, you seed them and you, you, you give them love. And you, you, you tell them if you do it God's way, You'll enjoy it more and you, you'll want to be and you'll want to help other people and you want to take the gifting you got and you'll want to bring it and you'll want to use it. But we can't make anybody do. Because we have our own life and we have our own choices. Y'all follow me in this. 
he, he wants us, he wants us to follow him. 15, uh, 15 through 17, then we got to close out here. It says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this and do that. But you boast in your arrogance, all such is evil. Then he goes on and says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. That goes along with the scripture in Hebrews 11, 6, says it is impossible to please God without faith to please God. He's saying in this whole chapter, what? If you're fussing, you're fighting at home, it's because you think you're more important than me. Or if you'd go back in your thinking and recognize that this is a trial you're going through, trust me, ask for help, and I'll give it to you. And then just obey what I have to tell you and watch how it'll straighten up. It's so simple, it's ridiculous. We've just got to quit looking at it like he's beating us up. He's just given us, he's given us grace. He, he's sharing with us, I've got the answer. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that you war in your members? I want, I want, I want, I want my way, I want my way, I want this, I want that. When in fact, he comes right back and says, it's, it's because you're lusting after stuff you have no business lusting after. Y'all good? God is good. And he, and, he, and, he, and he wants the best for each and every one of us. And I was watching, oh, now I can't think of the name of it. It was one of the Christian shows that's out. It's an overcom overcomer or something like that. Anyway, it's about a little girl that runs, runs cross country and she ends up winning and, and they end up winning the whole thing and she overcomes it. But in her life, she was totally lost. Her father had left her. Her mother had left her. She was bitter with life. And when she finally forgave the family for leaving her behind, her whole life started straightening out. That's the same as it is with us. Forgiveness to me is the key to all of this stuff. I'm not going to argue with people if I can learn to forgive, with, forgive people. I'm not going to argue with people if I don't care if I get my way or not. I'm not going to argue with people if I just let things go. Just forgive and move on. Forgive and move on. Forgive and move on. I don't care who you work with or who you're around or who you're married to or anything. Just learn to forgive and let it go. Forgive and let it go. Just go back to enjoying how silly you both are. And instead of criticizing and cutting down and condemning and you got to change, you got to change, let, let them be what they are. God knows that, especially if they're a Christian. I mean, if they're a Christian, God's got it. He's going to take care of it. And that's all James is saying all the way through this. Hey, let me have it. Count it all joy. Trust me. I'll give you the wisdom. Be patient. I've got it all. It'll be good. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you. Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That there's strong words in this, but yet they're really not strong. You're just giving us a heads up on so many times where we are go with our minds and our thoughts and our attitudes. And all we need is to be readjusted and come back to that place of recognizing that you've got this. And you love us and you'll never change that. You forgive us and you'll never change that. It's not works. It's not what I do to keep you loving me and forgiving me. You've already done it. And we thank you that we're going to start living that kind of life with other people trusting in you. And knowing that you've got our lives and you're going to take care of our lives. And we thank you for it, Father. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
Call you blessed. Thank you, everybody, for lifting me in prayer through the last 11 or 12 days. Uh, first four days was a little tough, but I'm doing okay now. Call you blessed. You're dismissed. You've got seven minutes before the kids attack you. Ha, <laughs>